So we've been in this series about the kingdom clash. How many of you have looked out your window and witnessed this kingdom clash even this week? So last week we covered, and we understand this, we've been, we've been talking about the kingdom, and you know, there's nothing more important than talking about the kingdom, because that's what Jesus talked about. He didn't talk about religion, and when he did talk to religious people, it wasn't very fun. Um, so he brought the kingdom, and we know that Adam didn't just lose a religion, he, he lost a government. He didn't lose anything other than a government, which means he lost the influential power over the land. And so since that time, we know that man has had to learn how to govern himself. Because there is a place for government on the earth. We know that because Jesus says that he brings a government back to the earth. So what you have to understand now is that Jesus always brings what man has lost. Jesus brings to the earth what man had given up. So he brought all the things that we watch in his ministry. When you read all the red letters in your Bible, we see what man had lost. Man wasn't doing that stuff. It was what he brought back, and that's what man could have been doing all along if there wouldn't have been that mistake. And so what we have to understand is that this kingdom clash is going on all the time. Now, we've traveled down some dark roads, amen? We've talked about some dark things, and I believe that we have to be honest and truthful with ourselves about where we are in the world today. And so we have to highlight the dark stuff so that we can actually understand what God wants to do with his light. If we escape the darkness and we never consider the darkness of this world, then we will never be able to shine light because we are supposed to be the light of the world, and light always shines better in the darkness. So through this kingdom clash that you see going all along, and everything that we've studied, we've talked about socialism, we've talked about communism, we've talked about Marx, we've talked about... All these people that have transformed the world. Today I want to take you into a study that I believe will transform who you are. Okay, I figured there would be like this shout. Like, I want to be transformed. Like, this, this study today is going to define why you think the way you think you do. The, this will help you understand why others think and act the way that they do. That is what we need in this world. Jesus came and he transformed the world and his philosophy of transformation was completely countercultural. And yet all the time we as believers get caught up in this, this method of looking at the world's problems and trying to solve them as the world solves them. And he came and just totally obliterated every governmental process. He said, this is my philosophy of life. You all need to come join me in this. And if you do, the world will be transformed. So today I'm saying to you, if you pay attention to what I'm about to say and what the Lord wants to speak to your heart today, you will forever be transformed and you will not be conformed to this world anymore. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, what does it say? Help me. Here we go. No, come on. You guys know this. What is it? What? Be, come on, come on, come on. I will not be transformed, right? But I will be I will not be conformed, but I will be transformed by what? The renewing of our mind. Or is your mind open for renewing this morning? Is it open for renewing this morning? I'm hearing three people say yes. Is it open for renewing this morning? Thank you. Our struggle this morning is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, right? It's against darkness. The thought processes that you have in your mind that you've brought with you today, some of them are dark. Some of them came to be, some of them came into your mind and you didn't even know it, yet you ascribe your philosophy for life by those thoughts and ideas that came to you without you even understanding that they came to you. There are decisions that you've made in your life that have been totally against everything that you believed and you didn't know why you made them. And I will explain that today. Because there is a different realm that is clashing with your purpose that is convincing you that those things are right. And that ruins everything that God has for you. Now, looking at all the different things that are going on, looking at all the things that are happening in the world, it makes me angry. Does it make anybody else angry? Like, does it make you just so frustrated? Like, God is taken out of our schools. He's taken out of every conversation that you see. He's, he's just been removed from everything because that's what socialism and communism does. It makes either you God 
or it makes the state God. And to me, it makes me so frustrated. In fact, if you talk to my family, I stomp around the house sometimes because I'm so upset that the, that the world has allowed God to be separated from their lives. And yet, with every beginning baby's breath, you hear God's voice yeah. and his name. And it's Yahweh. And with every death, in every, time, in every time zone, all around the world, with every death, everybody's last breath says God's name, Yahweh. And yet, the world has removed him. And the church has been asleep. Well, I'm going to tell you today that there is a way that we can look at ideas that are in the world and tell if it will shape our philosophy or not. So I'm going to talk about some big words. I'm going to talk about some things, but I believe if you grasp it today, we will understand the ideology and the philosophy of government. Now, I know that that's not exciting. You aren't cheering. You don't want to go to Government 101 in college anymore. You're here to just get a good word from the pastor and go on about your life. And the problem is... There's been a lot of people that have got a lot in the good words over the last 50 years and done nothing with them. I'm telling you, if you receive this today, it will transform you. If you do the homework that I ask you to do, you will come in next week freer than you are right now, even though you live in a free country. So we've covered this kingdom of God is all about government, we said last week. The kingdom of God is about government, and how do we know that? It says in Genesis 1, it says that there was this, this void and over this void flew the Holy Spirit. He hovered over the waters. He hovered over the deep, right? And each of you today can understand what God meant about government by what this scripture tells us. God instituted government in Genesis 1 at the very beginning in verse 2. The earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was there now why why would he send the spirit of god to hover over darkness and all of that well i believe that he wanted to set up a government and he wanted to bring order to chaos government should be bringing order to your chaos government should bring order to your chaos and so he established government in the very beginning of this book, and it is our constitution, so it tells us how to live. It tells us the rules. It tells us what we should look like, this book that we call the Bible. And he begins it off by saying, I'm sending you order. I'm sending you order. And out of order comes light, which takes away darkness. So God, in the very beginning, he had an idea. He had an ideology, and he had a philosophy of how he wanted the world to function. Now, you can believe what the secularists want you to believe, that you came from this tadpole to a monkey to whatever, and you came here today, that, that, that no one's in control except for you. And the problem with that is, is that when you do that, you become your own government. And so you have the right to give up that government to anybody that wants to be governor over you. But we see in Genesis 1 that he already sent order in a governmental form to the earth in the Holy Spirit. Now we talk back in our kingdom series about that the Holy Spirit is the governor, right? The Holy Spirit is the governor, so he sent the governor to the earth to do what? Govern. Well, if you're going to govern, you have to have a government. You have to have some strategy to actually govern because if you govern with no rules, you have chaos. And that's not what he created upon the earth. And so we talked about this, this method in which God says, I want to bring government to the earth. You see, he wanted to bring the kingdom of heaven to populate the earth, so he sent mankind to colonize the planet. Now, how many of you have remember that I went through colony? I described what it is. I'm going to give you a quick recap. Go back to that, the, those lessons and do that. But a colony is a group of citizens. Citizens mean that you are a member of another country. So he sends these group of citizens from a foreign country here. That's what a colony is. This group of citizens is placed in a place outside of their normal territory. So he says, I want this kingdom of heaven to be upon the earth. So I'm creating mankind with the DNA of heaven, and I want them to populate this area. We know that he could have sent this army of angels down here to transform everything, but no. He said, I want to send man. I want to create them in my image. 
So man and woman, he created them. Yes, there's two of those, man and woman. So how do we know if it's been successful? Colonization is successful when the culture of the kingdom in which the, the citizens have been sent is realized in the territory. I would have to say that we're missing the mark on colonization as believers. That, that he, this world, when you look outside, doesn't look like heaven, right? It doesn't function like heaven. Now, now if we're bringing the culture of heaven to earth, is there sickness in heaven? No. Is there poverty in heaven? No. The culture of heaven, the Lord says, is I want to bring that to earth. I want you as created beings to be that place where people see heaven. And then there's all this religious doctrine that says that it's better to be sick because I can get more grace that way. All the nonsense that goes on. Jesus doesn't give you sickness. He doesn't give you disease. He doesn't make you poor. That's your choices. And yet we blame him for a lot of things that he's not involved in. It's just bad choices. But God's strategy was to establish this government of heaven on earth through you. Through you. Not through your neighbor sitting there. Yeah, they're a part of it. But he said, I want to do it through you. I want to do it through you. I want people to look at you at how you function, just like they looked at Jesus and how he functioned, and the government that he brought to earth. I want to come through you, and I want, I want people to look at you and see the transformation. I want people to, to look at you and see healing, divine health, living in divine health. I want them to see wealth. I want them to see success, because that's what I want for my kids. And yet, the world sometimes looks at the church at something that they wouldn't want to be involved in. You see, I believe Christianity should be so engaging. I was listening to a, a Billy Graham recording uh, last night. It was, uh, I forget who he was interviewing. I can get that for you. But he was on a talk show back in the day, and it was a very secular person. And he remained stately. He stated exactly what he was for. He let the guy joke with him and make fun of him, and then he turned around and gave him the gospel. And he just continued, continued for 35 minutes to just share the love of Christ with that person who was interviewing him. Even though they were mocking him and saying, what's the biggest sin you've ever done and all that stuff, and he just continued to fire back. Actually, all my sins are washed away. And I do sin because I'm human, but you know what? I know that you sin and you're human, but you know what? God can take care of that. And at the end of the interview, it was so awesome. At the end of the interview, the one that was interviewing him, this actor, said, uh, said well, you know what? Uh, if someday you would come to one of my shows, I would come to one of your gatherings. And right then, Billy Graham leaned forward, like almost fell out of the chair, reached over and grabbed his hand and said, you've got a deal. And I don't know what the end of that story was. I don't know if he ever went to a meeting. I don't know if he ever went to watch one of the guy's movies. But what I do know is that guy met the kingdom of heaven sitting across from him. And it transformed his life because he made a commitment that will forever transform who he is. That's what he wants. He wants the Holy Spirit is governing us, teaching us the language of our home country. He's opening up pathways for us. He's making it available that we can be successful on the earth at bringing heaven here. It says in, in, in the Gospels, it says that all of everything, even the rocks, Everything is waiting for us to know who we are. Are they going to wait any longer for you? Are they going to wait any longer for you to realize who you are? And your job here is to remove darkness with the kingdom of light. So the Holy Spirit was here to bring order to the chaos. How many of you know there's chaos all around us? And we are called... As colonists to bring order. We are called to walk and bring heaven upon the earth. Now it's interesting that order that is used in scripture is the same word in Hebrew as garden. Didn't really catch that. I'm not a Hebrew scholar, but I like it after I read it. And there's a difference between a garden and a bunch of bushes. Now I remember, I remember we had a garden years ago. <laughs> try to forget that uh, we had we had a garden years ago and and I realized that 
that if I went away, I like to travel. So if I went away for a week or two and I came back, it looked more like the bush <laughs> than it did the garden. And so the reason that we call it a garden and not the bush is because there's some kind of order in place to make it function the way it's supposed to function. When it functions in order, things grow on there. Now, I remember mine didn't look so good. I needed, I needed Greg's help back then. But it didn't look so good because the order that I created for that thing was not the order that it needed. And I think that sometimes the order that the church tries to create is not what the world needs either. It's the order that he creates. So there's a difference between an orderly garden and a bunch of weeds growing in this patch. And I believe that this is the same material, but one has order and one doesn't. I think you can look around the world and see what we have today. God planted a garden and he called it Eden. And he placed man inside of order. And so when we are functioning outside of order, you can read from Genesis 3 to Malachi and then all the way to the end of the scriptures, you can read what happens when man functions outside of order. And so because we lost the governmental order that we needed as human beings because God created us to live in order and we tried to create our own governmental systems, we have failed. As good as, as a republic can be, it's still short of heaven's order. And yet we stake our ground in a republic. I thank the Lord that we live in the United States of America. I really do. But if the United States of America is what you're looking for to save your Christianity, then you're completely mistaken. If it is, if it is what is going to protect you for the rest of your life, you're probably mistaken. Because man wants to get in and mess things up. So this governor that we have, the Holy Spirit, is bringing order to our lives. And as we get born again, we receive the Holy Spirit. Then we get the, the next work, which is the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and we start to get our lives in order, and we see things happen. We see fruit upon the things that have been planted in our life, the good things. The other problem is, is that when there's order, chaos always tries to creep in. I remember I, I went one time, we were out working in the garden, and we spent like all day working out there, and all day tilling and, and working, and it looked the best that it ever looked, and it rained that night. And the next morning I came out, and there was green where we had just tilled everything up. And I was like, when it, we finally got order, when we finally got order and it was going to do some great things, this disorder came in to disrupt everything. And we had to go back to work. We know that that is something that God put upon the earth, but I want to I talk to you for a minute about why we have to battle so hard. You see, when Adam sinned, he had the Holy Spirit in him. Remember, he breathed into him. So the Holy Spirit was in Adam, and when Adam sinned, the Holy Spirit couldn't stay there. In Genesis 6-3, it says this, And the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh. The Holy Spirit couldn't stay with Adam anymore. He had to be separated from him. And so Adam had to figure this whole thing out without a governor. Now, back in the day when, when there were colonies all around, the, all around the world, England was conquering areas and they were planting colonies. All the islands down south of us. They, they were planted with English colonies and French colonies and all of this. And the first thing that the colony would do is go build a big house and put a governor in it. Why? Because he wanted order of the government of England or France to be in that place so that there would be some kind of control of the people. You cannot have effective government in a foreign land without people who are engaged, citizens who are engaged with understanding the government of the motherland. You have to understand the government of where you came from or you're not going to plant anything that will produce fruit. You're only going to plant your own ideas. And there were some of those governors that were planted back in the day that didn't function too well because they did it out of their own ideas. They did it out of their own philosophy. 
and those colonies were not successful. Now, we have this in today's society. I'm sure that you've all, you've all seen this. You've, you've voted for somebody because of what you thought that they believed. And then they went to either Columbus or Washington, and they began to vote their own conscience. And went totally off of what they said to you in that meeting. They went totally off of what they said to you about taxes, what they said to you about schools. They, they, they went and voted completely the other way. Why? Because they were more devoted to their own personal agenda than they were to the agenda of who elected them. That's why governments don't work. Earthly governments don't work. We're trying to govern the earth without heaven in this situation. We're trying to govern the earth with our own wisdom, with our own understanding. And we can have believers in those positions, and I believe we should take the government mountain. I believe it. Lance Walnut has the seven mountains. One of them is government. I say to you, we need to take the government mountain. But if we take it out of our own humanity, we will lose. We have to bring the kingdom of heaven into the government mountain. The number one responsibility of government is to establish law that regulates behavior. It's to protect us and to establish laws. Now, I love that. And I love that when it comes from the Lord because I know that his, his laws are there to protect us. There's 10 of them. Now, I sort of think like, you know, um, racism and, you know, this economic poverty that happens to people, I think those are super important, but they don't fit in the top 10. They don't fit in the top 10. He has 10 of them. And one of those says, don't murder. And so when someone goes against those things, they are out of the heavenly realm. And so there's consequences. The law of the kingdom produces culture. The law produces culture. The culture of America is because of the laws that were put in place at the founding. The culture in America in five years will be directly related to the laws that are created now. And it's super important that we understand the ideology and the philosophy of those who we send to govern so that the laws that are created continue with the culture in which we were founded with. The Bible is the constitution of our lives. One of the things that marvels me about looking through history is that Many people have used religion to rule people. And if you, if you ever look through history and you look at religious, religiously zealous people that are governing, ultimately it, it leads to the loss of life and the blaming of religion for the loss of life. When it really wasn't, it was the ideology of the person that took this zealous religious thing and put it into place to govern people. And that's the problem that we face today. Is that there's religious, zealous people. And yes, communism and socialism are religions. That want us to conform to what they want. And in the end, they don't care that communism gets blamed. Because they get power. The kingdom of God cannot go further without influence. Now, we talked about that there's power, there's influence and authority in every kingdom. Remember, there was the crown, the scepter, and the censer. Saw the pictures on the screen. The kingdom of God does not advance in your life. It doesn't advance in your family. It doesn't advance in your job in this region without influence. It has to have influence to actually make it even move the needle in life. But God doesn't force it. God doesn't force it. I'm so glad that God gives us the most powerful thing on the planet, and that is your free will. He doesn't say you have to do this. He says, listen, I love you. I care for you. I will do everything in my power to give you everything that you need. All I want you to do is choose me. That is not what we see when we step outside of here because heaven's government is not there. The influence of the kingdom of God comes when we actually acknowledge that he loves us 
and he cares for us. Now, the reason why that's not anywhere around is because God's been removed from everything. So how can God love and care for us if he's not there? And that's been the goal for over a hundred years. The kingdom of God is always functioning where people are submitted to the principles of God. So you can have someone who's functioning in the principles of God, and then you will understand where the kingdom is. How do we know that? How do we know that the kingdom of God is present? It happens, and it's very understandable when you see someone and how they treat other people. The kingdom of God is evident when Jesus told us, love your enemies, bless those who curse you. Right? We can see the kingdom function in Scripture. My question is, are you seeing it function in your life? When people look at you, do they see the kingdom of heaven? Or do they see you choosing a specific area to function and say, I wanted to lay this foundation this morning because I believe that without it, you cannot discuss philosophy and ideology and how it affects you every single day. Unless you understand that government is actually a God idea. That God had it in place before man was created. That government is a way to bring order to your life. I think that we stand in a position today where there is a desperate hunger for order. Not order that's brought through a governmental mandate, but order that is brought through someone who is submitted to the will of God and understands his principles. Isaiah 9.6 says this, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Jesus came with a government. Now I want to talk to you for a second about this picture that's going to be on your screen. This little boy in the picture is cute, harmful. Everybody looked at me like, why'd you say harmful? He's cute, but he's harmful. Do you know who this boy is? His name is Adolf. I want to pose this question to you today. Children, I believe, are not born with a, a tendency to racism. They're not born with a tendency to uh, hate anything, really. They're, they're not born to do harm. So what happened between the time of this picture and the time of the murdering of six million people in gas chambers? I present to you today that the difference between the picture of the little baby and the picture of the adult Adolf Hitler is that there was a philosophy that he adopted in his life that he learned from someone else. Adolf Hitler became the leader of a German government. He started World War II. That little boy killed over 6 million people in gas chambers. Whole families annihilated them all. He killed them not because he desired to do that in the first picture. He killed them because of an ideology. The ideology was that there was this Aryan race that was so pure that we had to get there, and everybody that didn't fit into that had to be murdered to get rid of it. If you're not productive to society, then you need to be eliminated from society. I'm sure you've heard that recently. He had a philosophy, and that philosophy was learned. And I guarantee you today that there are things going into your mind, going into your heart, going into you that is ch you are learning from, even if they're evil. And our job as believers is to keep our garden clean and in order. 
And if you sit and listen to the media long enough, you'll start to believe and start, even if you, if you let that junk go in your mind all the time, you'll start to believe that there may be something about society that's completely messed up that we need to change some things. I was speaking to somebody the other day whenever I voted. Yes, go vote. Do it early because we don't know if our governor will shut it all down. Anyway, all that craziness. But I was standing in line talking with somebody and, and he was talking about his job and he said, yeah, um, there's a lot of people that are voting for freedom and a lot of people that are voting for communism and we all understand what that means. And, and he, said, he said, what scares me is that whenever I talk to the people that want communism, they don't even understand what it means. Why? Why? I asked him, why don't they understand what it means? Why are there people out there today, or today they're closed, but tomorrow that are going to vote for communistic values that don't understand why they're even doing it? Because there's an ideology that they've received into their heart that has transformed the way they look at the world, and they don't even know it. And my question for you this morning is, are there weeds inside your heart that have made you think something other than the kingdom of heaven? Because it's not about blue or red. It's about the kingdom of heaven. So what is your philosophy on human value? We know Hitler's philosophy on human value was that if you don't fit into what I say is the perfect deal, what I believe the revelation that I got, that this is the perfect person, then, then you must be killed. And everybody else must be enslaved to my viewpoint. That's what he said. They, that's, his actions tell us what he was thinking, right? You can tell the actions of somebody. You can tell what they believe just by how they treat other people. Have you, ever watched, have you ever watched a boss? Maybe you've had one. Hopefully you're not one. But have you ever watched a boss or, or heard a boss talk to his employees and degrade them and to insult them and to not pay them when they work extra hours and to, to abuse what they're doing and ask them to do crazy stuff? You know their philosophy of life. Now, do you know their philosophy of life or just their philosophy of business? I say to you today that if you watch the way that people treat other people, you will actually understand the philosophy of how they view human life. So what does that mean for our world today? We have over 60 million babies that were murdered. Why? Because of philosophy and an ideology one that has permeated a society and convinced people that they are God over their life. Now, am I against anybody that's had an abortion? No. I've known a lot of people that have, and God has totally restored them. And I believe this, that if you actually go forward and don't have an abortion and that baby gets adopted or that you keep the baby, I believe that your destiny hasn't changed. God just said, hey, that thing's coming right along with you. That baby's coming with you, and we're going to go change the world together. But there are people that don't value life enough that they just eliminate it. So I want to give you a framework today. As we close, we're going to talk a little bit about this, but I want to give you a framework, and I'm serious whenever I say this, that this framework that you're going to see on the screen in a little bit, this framework, if you actually use it, will uncover the weeds in your life. Because we often see the weeds that are above the ground. When it rained that night and I was so excited, I went to bed sore and sweaty and ah, it was a horrible day, I had to get a shower and it was ah. Oh. And then the next day I woke up and the weeds were back. It wasn't because there were weeds above the ground, it was because there were seeds inside of that ground that when water hit them grew up into something that was going to quelch the fruit of our life. And I believe that the same will happen in our lives if we allow seeds of ideas to to sit dormant in our mind, there's some day when that's going to spring forth and take away your harvest. So let's talk about why philosophy is so dangerous. You have free will, but the philosophy to exercise that free will is the most dangerous thing in the world because philosophy actually talks about the way you live life. So I'm going to walk through this with you. The first thing is there are precepts. In other words, the Bible uses the word precept for an original idea. Don't get ahead of me by writing these down. Precept is an original idea. Ideas are one of the most powerful things in the world. 
Do you realize that even today in America, we are still being ruled by dead man's ideas? The ideas of Aristotle, Socrates, they're long in the grave. But the Greek mindset is still functioning in America today and all around the world. You see, ideas never go away. You just replace them with better ones. You can't kill them off. In fact, if you try to kill an idea, it actually multiplies. If you kill an idea, it multiplies. Does that make sense to everybody? You become a martyr for that idea. And when the idea is killed, everything multiplies. It, it just continues to go. I remember hearing the stories of, of when they took out Osama bin Laden. It didn't stop terrorism. Terrorism is an idea, a philosophy. He was not the leader of terrorism. He was a functioning person inside of terrorism. It didn't stop it. It multiplied it for a while. We have to stop looking at people and start looking at ideas. And when we get into the realm of ideas, we'll actually change a culture. Jesus came and said, I'm going to give you a new set of ideas, a new set of ways to govern yourselves, and it will change the world. And yet we have our own thing that we think is going to change the world. And Jesus said, no, I've got this whole different philosophy, guys. If you just step away from what you're doing for a little bit, come be with me. I'll teach you a new way of life, and that new way of life will change generations. And we sit here today because there were people that were faithful to do that. Now, I know that in their life, they had to transform some of their ideas, some of their philosophies, like, like how are we going to pay for it? And they start going through their pockets. And Jesus said, no, over in the fish over there. Go right there. We'll, we'll take care of it that way. Or we don't have enough food to feed everybody. What are we going to do? There's no stores open. And he says, no, I've got a different philosophy. If you just break it and bless it, it's going to multiply and you're going to have enough left over. A whole different realm. But they had to sacrifice some of their ideas. And, and this, always, this always gets me going is that they're with him for all this time and then they realize that he's going to have a kingdom someday and a king only has one right and one left. And so they start battling over who's going to be on the right and who's going to be on the left. And they're completely missing his philosophy and idea that we're all equal. And they, they're so fighting about all this that they actually bring their mom into the argument. How desperate do you have to be to bring your mom into an argument with a friend? But they did. Because they had an idea of what it was going to be. But if they would have looked at his philosophy, it would have changed the way they saw the idea. They would have realized that to be great, you need to be less than. To be first, you need to be last. If they just realized his philosophy, they would have been transformed. He said in Matthew 5, But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, pray for those who spitefully use you, and persecute you. His philosophy to those who followed him and us today should be earth-shattering, mind-blowing. You are a victim of a philosophy of government that is not of heaven. Even as good as what it may be, it's not of heaven. And that is why philosophy is so dangerous. So first of all, we start off with this precept idea that there is an idea that is planted in your mind. You have an idea. Someone else has an idea. It's an original thought. And it gets planted on you or you come into contact with it in some way. What happens after that? If you don't catch it at that stage, it can become a thought. Thoughts are spirit. It can become a thought. And so this idea, this precept, now goes to the next stage and now it's a thought. It actually goes through your mind, it's a thought. It has just escalated its potency. Because ideas are a dime a dozen, but when they actually come into your thought process, they have power. Then, 
this precept becomes a concept because you began to think about it. So now it's a concept. And now it's not just this passing thought. It's something that conceptually you can process of how is this going to work and what's going to happen. And now you're way past the idea stage. Now you have this concept in your mind. It's a thought that you have. And then if you let that thought for too long, it becomes an ideology. What's an ideology? A group of ideas that work together to accomplish something. So you go from a precept to a concept to an ideology. Now ideology is what kills people (laughs) if it's not sanctified. We know that all the evil in the world went from being an idea to a precept to a concept to an ideology. And it started to be how they functioned. They started to believe these things. And then they went even further. And in every process, you have to justify where God fits, right? So there's theology in the mix. After ideology, there's theology. that we have to know where we are. And a lot of people in this process, they just take God completely out. And so this idea, this concept, then turns into an ideology. Then we justify it through theology, And then it becomes a philosophy. Well, what's a philosophy? A philosophy is how you live out all the things that we just discussed. When you look at somebody in their life and you're looking at how they act and how they treat people, you're actually looking at the evidence of their philosophy. Each one of you are here today because of a part of your philosophy. And every broken person in the world is living their brokenness because of their philosophy and how they do life. You see, we as Christians often look at the philosophy of someone and not really look at the idea that caused the philosophy. And so we're dealing with the, we're dealing with the weeds on top of the ground when God wants to deal with the root of the seed of the idea in the ground. So let's just take abortion, for instance. Abortion is a philosophy. Some people live with the philosophy that abortion is is something that we do and that's how they treat other people. That's how they perform the abortions. That's how this stuff happens, right? It's a philosophy. And by that we know their theology. God doesn't exist or can't exist because we don't value life. Okay, God is not the ruler of everything. We are, we have control. So we know their theology. The ideology is that all of this stuff We're in control of, and we can make the decision for however we want. The concept is, I rule my own life. The idea is, I'm in control. So we, church, begin to battle the world at the philosophy level. Well, we can have a better philosophy. We have a better philosophy than them. So when we treat other people good, it's just going to transform who they are. No, because they still have seeds of ideas that that God doesn't exist. They have seeds of ideas that they're really in control of their life. They have seeds of ideas that life really doesn't matter. They have seeds of all this stuff that are coming out in the way that they act. So we, in the world have to look at the ideas over the philosophy now i want to give you a practical example my wife says sometimes i don't give enough practical examples she's not here but i'm going to give one so you can give me credit later (laughs) you raise your children 18 years in your home you pray with them you speak into their life you help them in every way that you can. You bring them to church. You, you introduce them to Jesus. They, they walk in their life. And at 19 years old, they, you send them out of your house to an institution of higher learning. And a year later, they come back home. Nine months later, they come back home. Just enough time to birth something. Isn't that interesting? Nine months, they come back home. And they don't believe in God anymore. They think you're an idiot their whole belief system is completely changed. Why? Because you're a bad parent? No, because somebody else had ideas. And they didn't have a framework to actually take that idea and say, oh, it does not fit in my paradigm of my philosophy of life, so I'm kicking that idea to the curb. 
And I think that we've all done a disservice, including me, of not teaching our children that there is a philosophy of life and that ideas that don't fit into that philosophy need to be kicked to the curb because if we let them get root, they will change who we are. And so then we pray and we ask the church and, and we believe that God will bring them back and I believe it 100%. But I'm tired of going after the lost ones that have ran away from the church. I'm tired of that. I want to just say, let's keep them. Let's, let's give them an understanding of the philosophy of Jesus so that when they walk out the door, they understand that the ideas of the enemy cannot take root in what we believe. Now, we're going to go after them. It's just frustrating sometimes that we spend a lot of our time trying to go retrieve these 20-somethings that have gotten the philosophy of this world when we could have, we could have started very young teaching them the, the philosophy of the kingdom of heaven. So that when they saw something weird, they understood that it was weird, and they said, I don't want to get involved in that. So this framework that you're looking at on the screen, if you go to the next slide, please. I want you, you've got a paper in front of you. If you didn't grab one, don't feel condemned. They're at the back. You're good. We're not doing these in the house today. But what I want you to do is I want you to take this framework. I want you to go home tonight. Don't wait till tomorrow. It gets all fuzzy after you go to sleep. I want you to go home tonight before you go to bed, and I want you to fill this paper out. Now, how do you want, how, Pastor Rob, how do you want us to fill this out? I want you to take a philosophy that you struggle with in your life that isn't producing fruit, and I want you to write it in the philosophy category. And then I want you to work from the bottom to the top. And I want you to go and actually get down to the idea that you allowed to take root in your life that has produced that philosophy in your life. I want you to drill down. What does it really mean? I showed you one example. I want you to find your own. And what I want you to do is I want you to say, God, I want you to show me philosophies in my life that are broken, that are not of heaven. And I want you to Reveal to me the ideas that I let take root. Do you realize that when you actually get to the ideal level of life, you'll realize that there are thousands of ideas that come at you every day? Thousands. Thousands. What is the vehicle for an idea? A word. A word is the vehicle for ideas. And so every word that comes to you contains an idea. When someone argues with you about what you believe, there's an idea in there. When someone ignores you and says, oh, forget about it, there's an idea that can take root in your life. Well, I don't matter. The church is so ineffective in the world because we don't understand the philosophy of heaven. And we allow the ideas of the evil one. It says that he is there to steal, kill, and destroy. What better way than to just drop an idea, Pastor Caitlin, into your mind that this doesn't matter and let it take root for a while and I'll come back and visit you. And if you're not thinking about heaven and you're not thinking about the philosophy of Jesus, whenever I come back in two weeks, you could be offended. You could be frustrated. You could be to the point of, I don't even know if I believe that anymore. That's all it takes. That's all it takes. So what ideas are in your mind today? What ideas have been put on you? In this season, there's millions of them. What ideas have been put on you to change your belief structure about who God is? It's time for us to get out that nice little tool that you put in the ground, you twist it, and it pulls the weeds out. Your belief system, your philosophy is a result of the ideas that you let sit in your mind that you begin to think about, that you begin to contextualize, that you begin to have more ideas about, that you begin to judge whether it's God or not, and then you actually begin to act out toward people in that way. That's the progression to everything that you believe. Even when you met Jesus for the first time, it was an idea. Then you had a thought. Then you 
had a context to which the thought fit into. And hopefully over time you matured into having a philosophy that he loves you and he cares for you. But that philosophy is always under attack. And we know that it's not just, just the people around us. We know that it's the spiritual that is attacking us every single day. There's a battle going on. The system of belief that you have comes directly from the ideas that you let in your mind. We're all collecting ideas today. We're all collecting ideas today. It's not just the kids we send off to school that get influenced with bad ideas. We all collect those ideas every single day. I have a question for you. Turn with me real quick. We're just going to do this. It's not on there. But I want to I read to you this scripture. And I'm asking the Lord to just reveal to you something. Go to Genesis 4. By the way, you should read Genesis like all the time. It's like my favorite book. There's lots of good stuff in here. Now, there were these two guys. It says, Now Adam knew Eve, we know what knew meant, his wife. And she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired the man of the Lord. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of the sheep, and Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of fruit of the ground to the Lord. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering. And he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. Now listen up. Verse 6. So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? Verse 7, this is what I, I've been praying over all the nonsense I see in the world. I asked the Lord that he would have verse 7 conversations with every person. Verse 7 conversations with every person. If you do well, will you not be accepted? In other words, if you make the right choice, won't I love you as your father? Won't I love you as God? Won't I just love you if you make the right choice? And if you do not do well, if you don't make the right choice, sin lies at the door. And its desire is for you. But you should rule over it. It says right here in the scripture that sin's desire is for you. Remember, the door is your property. The door is your eye gate. The door is your ear gate. The door is your property. You have the right to open it to whatever you would like. Later on in scripture, Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. He stands at your door knocking to bring you truth. But the enemy, it says, sin lies at the door. You choose which one you let in. And I'm saying to you today that the ideas that are coming to you from the world, you have a choice. You have a choice whether you let them in or not. And that choice will determine your philosophy of life. I want you to think about the rest of the story of Cain and Abel. What happens? Cain kills Abel, and the philosophy of his life is forever changed because of that choice. Because he had an idea. But I believe that there may be ideas in your mind today. There may be ideas that you've allowed to become concepts, that, that you've allowed to become ideologies, that you've actually tried to reconcile with the Lord, that may even be a philosophy today, and the Lord is asking you this question. If you choose right, won't I love you? If you choose right, won't I love you? Sin is lying at your door. Conquer it. Take authority over the ideas that are coming at you. Begin to guard your eyes. Begin to guard your ears. Begin to allow that stuff to just fall off of you. I know it can be hard. There's so much coming at us every single day. As the girls come. I, I, I remember Dave Ramsey talked about the, the marketing message whenever I did Financial Peace University like 10 years ago. The marketing message was that prior to 1980, like youth would see 
one or two ads or whatever it was, and now it's 10,000 a week, and now it's probably a million by now that they see a week. These are all ideas. When you see a degrading of women on the screen, when you see all that stuff, it's ideas that get put in your mind that change your philosophy. God wants to break that off today. He's giving you a Genesis 4-7 moment. He's giving you a Genesis 4-7 moment. He's saying today, would you stand with me? He's saying today, you have a choice. Sin is knocking at your door. Sin is knocking at your door. Are you allowing the seeds to take root in your life? Are you allowing the seeds of the world to take root in your life? I want to think about Paul for one second. Paul was murdering Christians because that was his philosophy. That if you didn't believe in the pharisaical way of life, you, were, you should be dead. So he's going around killing everybody. And then he has this encounter. He has this encounter and this bright light shines on him. He, he's blinded. He goes and he has this wonderful encounter with the Lord and he's transformed. Why? Because he opened the door and said, I receive what you have, Lord. And I'm going to give up all the ideas and all the thoughts and all the things that have been in my life prior to this. And I want to move to a new walk. I want to do something different. In our moment of reflection today, I ask you this question. Are you willing to lay down the seeds of the ideas of the world in any form that have impacted your life and receive the kingdom of heaven seeds in your life to produce fruit? As you go through this challenge, as you go through doing this homework, I want you to really rest in the Lord and ask him to uproot anything that needs to be taken away, taken out. And ask him to fill it with the goodness of the kingdom. His love, his care for you. It's a process of being open with him. Remember we talked about intimacy. Into me see. We all do things that are crazy. We all do stuff that would just not rank in good things. But he wants to transform our hearts. So we just lay that before him today. Father, today as we... As we stand before you, we make a commitment. A commitment to seek your kingdom. To let the seeds of heaven's government be birthed inside of us. Father, transform who we are. Transform what we've done. Help us to see you move in our lives.
philosophies that would come from those seeds of ideas are broken in Jesus name that we are loosing ourselves to the ministry of the Holy Spirit our governor who brings order Father may a wave of your spirit move across this land where truth is revealed ideas that don't mesh with your heavenly kingdom fall to pieces. You're the ultimate chain breaker. So Lord, today we lay down those chains. demonic powers into their life even without them knowing it and automatically our mind goes to well duh I didn't do that like I I didn't do that on purpose and I don't think I did but the Lord said things like psychics and Ouija boards and all that kind of stuff like there's things that you might have done in your life that have accepted demonic powers into your life that you don't even know were there because it was 30 years ago said he wanted to clear that today but he wanted to do it by cleansing your brain and by you recognizing that it's gone it might be something else and the Lord's gonna lay things on your heart that have become a philosophy that you don't even know is there so just focus on that right now ask him to reveal to you what that might be or maybe it's something that you know but he says, I want to heal you, but you have to recognize it and you have to want it. Maybe today it's the dullness of the things of this world that they don't even frustrate you anymore. today we are so appreciative of your grace your power to remove the iniquity of sin to empower us to release your kingdom on the earth father today we surrender our lives, our ideas, our philosophies, that they may be conformed to your kingdom. 
can't see the outpouring of your kingdom everywhere we go. Heal us. For we know that hurt people hurt people and healed people heal people. Lord, walk us through the journey of healing so the ideas of this world don't taint the glory of your kingdom in our lives. We worship you. If you had something come to your mind that Caitlin mentioned, I want you to hold it before the Lord right now. Father, as they hold this out, as we hold these things before you, Lord, we ask you to break that off of us. Use the chisel of your word, of your love to break that off. Lord, may you fill it with your love, your peace, and your everlasting care for us. And may the power that comes through your Holy Spirit guide us to the next season for we release it to you today in Jesus name